0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So, once again, no smoking in this theater. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh... Thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. You can find them on Twitter at Trilon Cinema. And you can find them on uh, online at trilon.org where you can get tickets for any movies that play there and associated showings, uh, including the one for the movie we're about to talk about. Excuse me, about to talk about today. Uh, I am Flesh and Blood and Bones, just fading away, Jason Daphnis, and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus.
2: Well said, Jason. I'm Cody Narvison. I never never care about anything but test tubes and chemicals, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH.
3: I'm Harry
0: Mackin, now more invisible than man, and you can find me at Shiitake Harry. Uh, I'm Aaron Grossman. Uh, I'm the invisible man, and you can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. He does not he doesn't say that one. But
1: you'll never guess what we're talking about today, but uh Aaron can clue you in.
0: I'm the invisible man! No, yeah, we're talking about The Invisible Man, uh 1933, directed by James Whale. Uh director who also directed a good number of other films but primarily known for his Universal monster movies. He also directed Frankenstein 1931 and Bride of Frankenstein 1935. Uh, the Invisible Man is a movie based on the H.G. Wells novel of the same name. It's also the first in a line of Invisible Man films by Universal, part of the Universal Classic Monsters series. Uh, the Invisible Man series uh, also uh, is composed of The Invisible Man Returns, The Invisible Woman, Invisible Agent, The Invisible Man's Revenge, and the 2020 reboot of The Invisible Man, which is uh, supposedly not very similar. Um, the story follows Dr. Greg... Jack Griffin, uh, played by Claude Rains, a scientist who has discovered the secret of invisibility and applied it to himself. He travels to the English village of Ipping in order to hide at an end and kind of quarantine himself while trying to find a cure for his ailment. Um, despite being disguised as a normal person by applying bandages to his face and wearing clothes and gloves and whatnot, he nevertheless attracts the attention of the townsfolk, who become increasingly curious of who he is. His is combined with the violent side effects of the drug named monocaine that he used to make himself invisible, eventually cause him to turn to bloodshed and mania.
1: Thank you so much, Aaron. Uh, I'll give my quick... Thoughts at the top of this recording. Um, this is just a, you know, fine passable 1930s movie, uh, monster movies and a lot of fantasy movies and where they were like, specifically when they were set in reality, have a tendency to like pull from a very long history of thematic. And I guess just larger statements that original works were maybe trying to poke at like, you know, the Frankenstein's of the world, a little bit of the invisible man's of the world and their inspirations. Um, and to just like compress them into how how fucked up would this be? How fucked up would it would it be if, if a guy could you know walk around doing things that nobody could see him? And this movie does that. I'm, I don't hold it against it. Uh, it's a perfectly fun little ride. Um, and uh, and, and I I don't have much much more to think or say about the Invisible Man. It's a little little thin for me. Uh, but I'll uh, toss it to the group. Cody, give me what you tell me what you thought.
2: Sure. Um, I'll start this. Oh, there we go. I'll start this off by saying that um, when I was giving my Twitter handle and everything, I couldn't see like the audio waves from my side, so I thought I was like the Claude Rains of this episode, and I got a little spooked. Um, but I I think we're okay now. Um, I think. uh anyways, one thing I, that I've come to I don't want to say enjoy, but just like given these current circumstances, you know, the same conversation we've had for over seven months now, uh, the fact that we've Found ways to enjoy movies together. Uh, you know, the, the, the you know, you fellas um, you, enjoying those together from afar is something I've been particularly thankful for during these uh, trial on month of October movies, especially uh, like watching this 1933 uh, version, uh, the original Invisible Man, last night. Even um, it, it, even it being remote helped me uh, rekindle some of those vibes that uh, I would get from going to see like a midnight movie at the Uptown. In part because. That feels like the sort of movie that this story is tailor-made for, at least speaking as someone alive 90 years, almost 90 years after this film's release. Um, It's a bit of a mess. Uh, To me, it it felt like it didn't quite, quote-unquote, get there in different important ways. Uh, It's obvious it was never really interested in making that big of a a statement or that big of a splash it, it took pretty wimpy swings, uh, at potentially really cool thematic undertones. Um, like when the police attempt to gaslight an entire town who saw invisible crimes take place, uh, or when, um, near the end, every uninvisible person is so on edge that they all start to think that the invisible man is nearby when he's not, um, that sort of induced mania. Those are some fascinating scenes, uh, that could, uh, and maybe should have been followed up on, but they never were. Um, but this movie also kind of juggles like a few different versions of what the story could be. Like we got that Claude Rains menacing character study movie. And then at times, uh, this movie just decided to stop and instead be like a Looney Tunes hijinks, uh, crisis procedural. Um, and like all of, all of those things, uh, didn't really come together in like a satisfying mixture to me. Like I enjoyed everything else pretty well on its own. You know, the, the booby traps, the prankster antics, the, um, you know, the pulling back the curtain to learn more about the the titular villain. Um, those were all great, uh, well enough on their own, I think, um, in, in little doses, but they never really, uh, got strung together in, into something that I, uh, really dug. And, um, I think one of you brought this up while we were watching um but uh, i guess for me it kind of reminded me of the andromeda strain and that, like these scenes are being used to build up um the special effects or like that's so- sort of the selling point of this movie and that's what the invisible man felt granted it, it was a really cool effect the scenes where um you know he was uh, undressing and we and we got to see you know oh there are no eyes where his eyes should be um and like to its credit this movie never shied away from being that uh i mean the, the title is the Invisible Man, so by default, that comes with a sense of like Chekhov's clothed, visible guy taking his clothes off eventually. Um, but I've, uh, in any case, um, that's about where I'm at with the Invisible Man. That's kind of a lot, um, and I uh, I can't wait to hear how it's sitting with uh, the rest of you fellas as
1: well today. Me either, Harry.
3: Yeah, uh, I would echo some of Jason's statements when you said that you didn't see a lot in this movie. Maybe there isn't a lot there. Maybe it's sort of. Uh, Difficult hey. to make out. Okay, hey. yeah, anyway. Hey. Watch um, it. Good tra- <laughs> good transition, Cody, um, because that was sort of my primary takeaway is that it felt really clear to me that this is a um, special effects movie, first and foremost. They really take a lot of pleasure in depicting the mechanics of the invisibility as they affect the body, right? Uh, there are some really, really striking effects. The first time you see the Invisible Man, uh, he's wearing his bandages except for his lower um face and chin and just that is invisible which is a really cool effect later on like you said he begins to take off his glasses and his wrappings but you can see the holes where his eyes should be that um show the back of the bandages rather than his face um, later on, there's, of course, the very, very famous shot of when he is, spoilers, um, becoming visible again as he dies, and his body fills in in reverse. So you can see his skeleton and then his musculature, and then um, finally his face, Claude Rain's face. Um, all of those effects look outstanding. I think at one point, um, Jason or Aaron remarked about how wild this would have been to see in 1933. People must have just been going nuts, kind of like that, um, the runaway train. Um, Buster Keaton movie and that is a really good point you know there, there's a lot of fun that the movie has showing just a shirt dancing across the screen or just footprints appearing in the snow that is what the takeaway of this movie is um, that's all fine and really kind of holds up today in my mind like it's it's a lot of fun to watch it's almost like accidentally uh, holding up for me in the sense that like it's also very funny and very sort of arch again um, All of the women in this movie are in constant hysterics. All of the men are bumbling idiots. There's almost like a really good comedic through line to this movie in pointing out just how ridiculous it is to be hunting an invisible man and how these people have to default to really, really funny tactics, right? Like at one point, all of the police constables and everything, they need to figure out if the invisible man is in the room. So they just take a dragnet and they just go have all of their men hold it and then walk across the room with the net as if that's somehow going to prove that the invisible man isn't in the room with them, which I found hilarious. Um, all of the, the people in this movie are so bumbling. Uh, and I found that very enjoyable to watch, especially like Cody said, with a group, um, this is a bad habit of mine, but I I always have to look up the critical consensus. And I was really surprised that like this is re- this is considered like a real classic. Like people really love this movie that tells me that maybe I'm just I didn't grow up with the Universal movies because like it it didn't feel like I mean, I don't think this is a great movie. Right. I just found it sort of fun to watch and, and hilarious. And I thought that the special effects were really interesting, but that was all enough for me, right? Like, I don't, I don't think I needed this movie to be really, really fascinating. Um, that being said, I I did have some issues with it, which maybe we can get into um, as we continue to talk, but I want to hear how Aaron felt about it now as well.
0: Yeah. I think I kind of generally uh, agree with Cody and Harry. Um, I think I, I, I enjoyed this movie um, quite a bit, uh, kind of as a, um, I don't know, fun watch with some friends, I guess. Uh, I think that, that I haven't seen like too many of the universal classic monsters movies. I grew up watching kind of some of them, renting some of them. Uh, I've seen like the ones that I remember more than other ones are like the, the Abbott and Costello films or like, you know, like Abbott and Costello meet the mummy or whatever. Um, and so my, my kind of impression of a lot of those universal movies are films that were kind of drawing from a lot of really classic horror and science fiction and kind of not necessarily delivering on a lot of the thematic content. Like I think that a lot of that stuff really holds up. I mean, Frankenstein as a novel really holds up. Um, this is in an adaptation of an H. D. Wells novel. I think most of his stuff really holds up and, and still has uh, kind of fascinating thematic elements that you can kind of get keyed into today, even reading it as a, as a modern reader. Um, I think that The Invisible Man kind of doesn't have a lot of that or it didn't have a lot for me to grasp onto in that kind of a manner. I think a lot of the things that I appreciated are things that we don't necessarily talk a ton about on this podcast. I think the special effects are pretty fascinating, Um, even a reading how those were done. I think that it's not something that looks like photorealistic today as far as something could look photorealistic for a person being invisible. Um, But I think it has like this kind of disquieting effect, specifically in the beginning of the movie when they're introducing the character that I really appreciated. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't have like tons of extensive thoughts, but I I had an enjoyable time watching it. I would love to hear what John Moret's kind of main thought was uh, fitting it in. I think there's some elements where it kind of fits in with black magic. Uh, too. But I I would love to hear kind of his thoughts on why he programmed this one. Um, But I think is a, a, a movie that's almost 100 years old. I think for the most part, it kind of generally holds up in a pretty interesting way
3: um just one thing quick to get to one of my main problems with the movie it speaks to what aaron was saying about the the themes this movie reminded me a lot for kind of weirdly obvious reasons and silly reasons of teshi gahara's uh, man without a face which cody and i saw at the Trilon some months ago and the whole sort of point of that movie is that when a man is like free of societal consequences it sort of builds a sociopath and how like integral to socialization the process of sort of like being held accountable for who you are and your place in society is that feels like it's kind of what the invisible man is maybe supposed to be about and they completely kneecap it like any thematic resonance to that idea by adding in this really um brusque sort of um, explanation of the drug, the monocaine that just drives the invisible person insane also, which, like, was not in H.G. Wells' original story, and is clearly added to the movie for, like, expediency, and just to kind of create this invisible maniac, right? And, like, that that really stuck out to me as something that that felt like it was a really sort of, like, cynical, simplifying decision, where, like, they couldn't have this guy be just, like, like an amoral sort of like person with uh dictatorial sort of like aspirations. And instead they just had to add this idea that, Oh, the invisible drug just makes you go fucking nuts, which is like, it's such a, that's such a silly thing to add, I think, and I think that that is really like, uh, to me it signified what the movie was really trying to be about, which is to say it signified to me that the movie was not interested in doing a lot of the things that Aaron talked about, or even a lot of the things that maybe arguably H.G. Wells was interested in, which is kind of funny
0: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting point because I don't know if you would be totally satisfied with the the source material either, and in the, in the source material uh, the scientist is kind of crazy from the get-go and then decides to kind of create this, this invisibility, invisibility serum in order to, um, you know, kind of, cause a bunch of murders and run right and whatnot but,
3: i mean like even that
0: kind of works right because like yeah of course like, it's the fact that he's a scientist
3: it's a, it's the fact that he already feels like he is elevated through his genius or through his um ability above the common man which is already like the the through line and the sort of affect that his madness takes on in this movie it's just that in this movie there's this extra level of explanation that that like separates it from class politics and separates it from like meritocratic politics in a way that makes it totally not scan as anything that you can really get your hooks into
0: yeah i think it, it tries to do this kind of three-pronged approach approach where there's like there's like three things that are motivating him right the first one is that we are supposed to believe that this this drug monocaine uh which is uh, there's kind of some slight uh orientalist racism here it's mentioned as a drug from india yeah uh, kind of very similar to black magic one and two where a lot of the kind of evil magic arts elements are like, othered, right? Um, It's like briefly thrown in there. Uh, It's kind of weird, right? But it is mentioned that this drug does kind of turn him a little crazy. Uh, There's also elements with um, this woman that he's engaged to and, and potentially some stuff around the relationship there that is kind of warping his mind a little bit. And then also, uh, as he tries and fails over and over again to invent a cure for his invisibility, he starts becoming more paranoid, he starts saying that the the townspeople are peeping through the keyholes and the like looking through the curtains. Um, but the film kind of lets all of these down. I, I don't think that the relationship is really played up. Uh, I don't, I think that the, the explanation of the monocane is kind of thrown in there and completely ruins any sort of thematic meaning. And then also the, the turn from him uh, at the beginning of the film to kind of turning manic, uh, even, you know, 15, 20 minutes into the film comes immediately. We don't have really any instances of townspeople, invading this person's private space apart from a few comments they make outside of uh, you know the vicinity of him about, oh, who is that guy? He's on the run from the law. And then the really the only example we have is the innkeeper's wife who kind of keeps trying to feed him lunch at the wrong time of day or whatever. So it, it doesn't really work at all.
3: It very much feels like a movie monster reveal, right? Like the yeah, monster exactly. is always there. You're just building up towards it the same way you would with like Jaws or the T-Rex from Jurassic Park or something.
1: Yeah, I... What you're saying makes me think about, uh, like, sort of the implications that this would have as a viewer uh, of the movie. Like, I'm thinking, uh, again, we we talked about it during the movie, but, like, the special effects alone would kind of make you go hooting and hollering in the theater, right, of, you know, the the shirt or the pants dancing around, which are still, like, I think they land for the most part today for different reasons, but also just, like, the metatextual implications of, like, he could be on screen at any given time. He could be hearing what's going on at any given time. And those are some of the fantastic, like, you know, I think it's implied by the end, by the time that he kills Kemp in his car, that he's heard their plan, right? That he must've been in one of those scenes that you were watching where they were talking about how they were going to use him as bait. And like, I think that's one of the, I won't call it smarter because that's really pretty simple writing by today's standards.
3: No, that's fascinating though. I mean, I didn't think of that, right? Right. And And, like,
1: it's a consideration that you make, you know, only 80 years after the movie has come out in a lot of ways. Um, But I think I agree with Aaron that there are a lot of things made explicit. I mean, it's an exploitative film, right? The core concept is all they've really got to go on. It's a man is, is crazy and he is invisible and look at all these crazy, excuse me, crazy invisible things he's going to get up to. But the harder they drive the reasons home, the harder they drive the logic home, the more and more it becomes separated from, uh, you know, like, apparently and i i, I haven't read hg <laughs> wells as the original invisible man but doesn't sound like i really need to at this point but apparently wells was influenced by um uh stories from plato's republic in which like there was cited different legends of a ring that would make people invisible uh and in those cases you know the question that the the moralistic right. question was how you know i i think you've both scratched at this already how um You know, what for what reasons do we adhere to social norms and, you know, moral good? And is it out of fear of reprimand? Is it out of, uh, you know, an inherent good, that kind of thing? This movie doesn't really need that because basically it comes down to a printing error. It comes down to Jack Griffin the scientist who goes mad and, and due to the drug uh, monocaine did not know that this drug makes you insane because he didn't get the right textbook because the German textbooks were published after the English textbooks. And it's just such a, like that scene in particular where Kemp and the doctor uh, I'm forgetting his name, but he's the guy from um, uh, it's a wonderful life. He's Clarence. Uh, he, th- they like go so deep into the reason why he's in- going insane that it leaves absolutely no room for me to think about like, well, what are the implications of him going insane? What are the, what is this doing to him? And it's not doing a whole lot there. I think I'm c- more or less just parroting what you guys are doing, but giving maybe a little bit of a, of a shell to it. Are those some of your, like the issues you guys were pulling up?
0: Yeah. Uh, real quick. That was Henry Travers as Dr. Cranley is the the guy from it's a,
1: but Clarence, life.
0: yes. Very, that's actually Mr. pretty Mr. good.
1: Mr. Travers! okay, all right. Sorry, uh, I, had, I had to try. And, I had to try uh, one, uh, one uh, up. And one.
3: Uh, Clarence, I can't see him. Some sort of an invisible man. What? Where? Where? where, where, where he go,
0: Clarence? That's I feel like these are increasingly like over the top and kind of an interesting. Well, come on, Clarence,
2: I, I can't. I can't have in. I can't tap into the J Dog unless I'm blowing my fuse at
0: uh, a second-class <laughs> <Excuse> angel. <me? laughs> um, no, J- Jason, I, I think I, I think I kind of generally agree with you, and and that's kind of what I was. Th- There's two things that I really don't want to do here. The first one is that I don't want to pretend like this movie is just a stupid creature feature. Uh, right. I mean, it, m- it might be right, but I, I,
1: I mean, I, I I'm willing to do that. To do that.
0: I'm trying to do the thing where, like, I'm not the biggest fan of horror and whatnot, and I grew up watching some of this, but like, I'm trying to give this movie the benefit of the doubt, and we will discuss it on the podcast, and and a bunch of stuff will come up. Uh, but I I don't like doing that, but I think it might be right here. But also, I don't want to do the thing where I like pretend to be the director here and kind of wish for the movie that this could have been. But I think there is a very interesting combination of things happening in the beginning of this movie. The first is I've said, I think I've said it before on this podcast. I love a great story about a stranger showing up at an inn late at night when it's really snowy and dark. I love that shit. I eat that shit up that it could be great here. And I also think that there is a uh, potential, for a movie that does delve a little deeper into this man's paranoias, where you see him seeing Townsfolk trying to kind of subvert uh, his experiments or trying to figure out who he is, you have to face that paranoia. And I think thematically, that interestingly ties into the idea of being invisible and wanting to not be seen while trying to cure yourself of that, that problem. Um, But the movie doesn't do that. And so it's like, I feel bad cuz I don't just want to pretend like hey this movie should just be that but also I think that's a potentially fascinating movie.
3: I mean there's also the like th- the key literary pun of the invisible man like in an, a man who is invisible in his sort of like agency and and his wishes and in how he matters. Right. Which like that would also integrate into his relationship with his to be fiance, which the movie provides his ostensible motivation for, uh, creating invisibility in the first place is that he didn't have any prospects. And so he couldn't marry this woman. And so there's, there's this turn toward, um, capitalism or societal pressures that drove him to this, this desperation. And then eventually this madness, um, but but yeah, to 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 go back to what uh, Jason was saying, like, right, I think you're exactly right that like this is essentially like the Invisible Man. As far as I know, I haven't read H.G. Wells either, but like it feels like it's sort of an exploration of um, Rousseau's social contract, like in action. Right. And it's like when you take away the idea that what's motivating people to be good is not the social contract, but instead, like it's something that we can strip from them. Just by nature of the experiment, like we can be like, okay, we're going to create a psychopath that like kind of ruins the whole experiment. Right. (laughs) Because like you, you need the person to ostensibly be a normal person before you can, or, or at least you need their, their psychopathy to be grown from within the society. And that's supposed to be the turn. Um, But anyway, I, I, not to sort of like um, push back a little bit against Aaron, uh because i agree with everything that he said and i think that's a really good idea but i also i think constantly about when uh john Murray got our asses so bad in the attack the block episode where we like we went on this long tangent about the movie's uh internal politics and how they might be sort of conflicted and how they might be a product of their time and he was like you know like it's also just a good like middle brow action movie and, like, I think that there's there's an element of that here, too, where it's like, this is like a universal horror monster movie from 1933. Um, not not to be too dismissive, right, because we never want to be dismissive, so I agree with that. But also, like, there is a pretty good chance that the reason this movie is remembered is because the, the special effects are really good and because people have a lot of fondness for the universal monster movies. And I'm totally chill with that, right? Like, it it is perfectly acceptable to like a movie and for a movie to have a legacy because of its historical frame of reference and because of um, its interest in what it was doing. Uh, And I think that's totally fine. And I think we can reconcile both of those things, right? Like we can talk about this movie and sort of have a healthy critical distance from the idea that it might not be successful totally.
0: Uh, Does anybody else on this podcast, uh, uh, excluding Harry for a minute here, have a problem with Harry portraying John Moret getting his ass as John Moret getting our asses?
1: Hmm. That is a great question. I feel like we were all along for that ride, and therefore we are all implicated.
3: Yeah. What, uh, yeah I'll, 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 I'll take. Yeah, I'll. Maybe I'll, I have I'll a time. Nah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, can I ask <laughs> a practical? To, to fair fair question a,
2: though.
0: To fit in with the John Marat school of of slightly more uh, practical understanding of movies, I, I there's a, a a nagging problem I have with this that um it's supposed to be kind of this pandora's box that that he opens up right like he says that he developed this solution and he has uh you know he immediately had these thoughts induced by the the side effects of the drugs right where he thinks like what if uh, a nation controlled invisible armies and and then they could you know and he's thinking about how this could be turned into a weapon and how he could he sell is, this. he's,
1: he's on his it. he's on his guns of the patriots shit right exactly <laughs>
0: Yes. I, I,
3: I actually thought of Resident Evil, but uh, I really like that reference as well.
1: Jason. <laughs> Cody, Cody,
2: these are video games? Are
0: both video games, yeah.
2: Oh, they're... V- okay. Say no more. Thank you. Uh, proceed. Counselor.
0: Griffin has a line before he dies where he's talking to his fiance and he says, I meddled in things that man must leave alone, and then he passes away. And the whole time I was just thinking, like, he's not talking about, like, the atom bomb, or, like, he's talking about invisibility. It seems like a weirdly quaint thing to have this Uh, Icarus story of flying too close to the sun about does it not is that just me that was
1: (laughs) yeah maybe Uh, I I think I think comparing it to like an Icarus type story is maybe a little a little heavy-handed but yeah it, it does feel like he's not like by the end he's he says that maybe being invisible was a bad thing after all and not you know this is something that's not an inherent evil right it was science the evil came from well, in this movie, it came from a side effect of the drug, but the evil came from like the opportunities for him to turn it into an evil thing, right? The corruption of the power that he was given, not the yeah, thing the, the
3: total freedom from from society or from consequence is something that men should never be allowed to meddle with, right? Right. I wish uh, he had said
1: exactly that on his deathbed.
3: <laughs> but but an even more practical answer, which is a wild thing to think about, Aaron, the atom bomb did not exist when this movie was. Yes, made. I
0: I did know that. Yes, <laughs> which
3: which, but I mean, like that that's a real paradigm shift, right? Is that like you said, it was quaint. It's like yeah, because like. After this movie came out, we did worse things than yeah, it's, The Invisible Man was worried Jesus about. Jesus Christ!
0: It's I am death become. I am become death destroyer of worlds versus I'm going to steal a pie off the windowsill.
1: Of I
3: am become. Of the no one, one will know. Invisible Man, um, meddler in worlds. Yeah, like I, pr- I, prankster I, of worlds. I am.
1: Traster. I am become. I am become nude. Derailer of trains. <laughs> like it's just not. It doesn't feel as grand uh, an effect. I mean, like, who knows what he would have tried to do in the years following if he hadn't been caught. But yeah, up to that point, he was a mass murderer, essentially. He wasn't like somebody changing the entire world.
3: Can we talk about his hairpiece a little bit? Because that hairpiece also haunted me in a similar way to, to what Aaron is describing, which is that when we first see the Invisible Man, he is bandaged, basically head to foot, or at least his face is, and he's wearing, like... Welders goggles as glasses, and he's got this hair piece that he has bandaged onto his head so that it looks like he has hair. We thought for a long time that it meant that his hair was not invisible, which means that all of his body hair wouldn't have been invisible, which is a the most disturbing thing to imagine ever just nothing but hair running around and then, i mean you've
1: you've seen Greek people right. <laughs>
3: Jason I wasn't here to say, say this. this. Jason Greek. can say that uh, he's great. Uh, yes. Right, as an aside, it'd be like invisible Robin Williams. Can you imagine? Um, <laughs> he just
0: looks like but, a sock. <laughs> You're hairy uh, enough. That's a Sasquatch, dude.
3: But and then B, when he first reveals that he is invisible, he takes the hairpiece off. And so it's revealed that he just wore that apparently to normalize his appearance, which like that is the wild thing to me is that like, what about that hairpiece did you think would make this normal, right? He's wearing bandages over his entire face and welder's goggles, but he's like, okay, but as long as I'm not bald, that will be what <laughs> what would set people off. That's, is he, that's he also a- not
0: wearing a hat? at the same time i, I think he's also wearing he's, a hat he,
1: he so is when it like comes in yeah
3: what is the They're hair your hat like? maybe he just wanted they've, to they've have got, hair
1: yeah they've got to imagine like he's you got to imagine that he didn't want didn't want people getting the wrong idea about him being an old miss disfigured man or like a the man, man who was shit. emasculated by yeah he's he's a strapping young lad what what was it that they call jimmy Stewart in uh is it shop around the corner like a strapping young lad with a head full of hair or whatever that's that, right that quote uh yeah, it's it uh, turns it's, out
3: that he is, he is Claude Rains, right? Which means we get the yeah. the weird effect of the Invisible Man being shown to be hot right at the end of the movie. Pretty, when he pretty
1: hot, out. pretty short, but pretty hot. Is so Five, he's wearing. 15.
0: He has his full head very like they reveal at the end. They have a very nice looking head of hair. He is then wearing bandage. Well, no, he's so he has a head of hair. He has then a hair piece on top of that and a hat. That has got to be the most uncomfortable fucking outfit. I mean, I know it isn't anyway, right? Because he has the bandages, but it seems too hot, although it's snowing outside.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, he used that gel that uh, thespians use and he used the pins to hold deck his, like, natural hair. Yeah, he did that with all the hair on his body. Um, I'm more concerned with the the food in his body thing. I can't square that circle oh, on what makes Jesus. sense there because he said that when he eats, bef- I, he never says that it's before it's digested, but when he eats, you can see the food moving through his body. He does not say at what point you stop seeing the move, no, food moving didn't. through yeah, his body. What? Yeah. When? Is sorry to, it sorry digestion to actually, or what?
0: Yeah. He said pre digestion. You can see oh. the food in my stomach. And it doesn't you know,
1: make any sense. Too, yeah, it it no, it doesn't. any sense. Yeah, no, doesn't make sense. Like I you should, see, you should be able, you should, yeah, you should be able to see compacted shit in his colon. Is what I'm saying. You should be able to see Mountain Dew flowing through his veins and water going down his gullet. Uh, and you,
0: and you know, like the Invisible Man bomb. is a Dew, is a Dew man. No, much like <laughs> the atomic bomb, Dew was not invented in 1933.
1: Well, man, two of <laughs> like the most actually. important important inventions of human uh, history, and two of the most disastrous. Um, that is uh, very nearly the last I had to say. Um, anybody got any more to squeeze out? We could make this a real, uh, a real record episode. Uh, Harry, your hand was up, so I'll let uh, you. Give I it saw
3: up. Cody unmute for a second. Cody, did you have something to say? Uh, for-
1: that was a, a trip of the mouse, but I'll jump
2: in anyway because why not? Um, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> well, see now. I'm now. I'm just thinking about you know this movie is 71 minutes long. It'd have been really nice if Clarence the Angel could have like fleshed out, ooh, fleshed out, uh, like the food mechanics of hey. this Invisible Man a little bit further. Um, but uh, in any case, you know this movie's not perfect. Um, yeah, think, you know, you guys uh touched on earlier the things that sort of trap this movie into being just like a quote unquote, monster movie versus the things that maybe elevate it a little. Um, I hadn't thought about it at the time. I think um, that whichever of you brought it up, the whole like movie conditioning you to see the contents of the frame or like infer what's in the frame um, is, I, I, I do think that was, um, even if it was accidentally really clever, um, I do think it was clever. The whole like, um, oh, like there's a reasonable chance that Claude Rains is just here listening Um, and we're just not going to talk about it. Um, I was also kind of mentally checking off boxes of the things that I like to see in more spooky leaning movies. Um, the whole, like, you know, the antagonizing force, uh, representing something. And we've kind of talked about that a little bit, how, um, you know, that we, we get, uh, the the motivation of the the invisible one um to a certain extents um it's gestured at uh, a few different times but it never quite goes for it um and so that character is never quite elevated beyond like a bundle of really cool special effects which is sort of a bummer um the other thing is uh like settings um houses uh, specifically but also just settings in general um where the story is taking place those being built up and uh characterized in such a way that they stand out uh, you know, in, in strong ways on their own. Um, the, the the townspeople being sort of the, I guess you could say like the heroes of the story. It's really just a, a lot of nameless people for the most part, um, uh, either overreacting or underreacting, which was sort of a weird thing I was wrestling with. You know, we, we kind of talked about how this movie just had one aim to show off the special effects um, really, and, and everything else kind of fell by the wayside. That sort of left it uh, without the responsibility to abide by a certain tone. Uh, and, and so we're kind of flip-flopping between things being really funny. Um, uh, potentially really funny, depending on how you saw it, I guess, I think we thought it was pretty funny. Um, and things being like weirdly serious or, or, or menacing, um, cause people die uh, in this movie, the invisible man kills people. Um, a very weird pairing and this is uh derailing even harder than the actual train that got derailed in this movie but yesterday i also watched the blues brothers and i was thinking about oh like, hell yeah why, I, I was thinking about why that movie worked and, and why it was so funny why this vibe is working so well and it is because in these extreme circumstances the the uh, like all levels of characters um, from Dan Aykroyd and Belushi on down are either overreacting or underreacting to the situations. And so, and I think it was pointed out, the, the men in this movie are either bumbling idiots oh, oh, what, what's this here now? Uh, to like invisible crimes being done right in front of them and just being completely nonplussed. The women are all shrieking. Um, I think the, like the barmaid named Jenny has some great wide-eyed shots and when the invisible man pops up, she jumps up on a table as if there's like a mouse running around, uh, which was um, endlessly funny to me. Um, and so like the, it, all of this goes to say that these people were like kind of characterized more than I was anticipating them being uh, the village itself is just kind of nameless and formless um there's no sense of where we are at any given time really um i i could not plot it on a map if you told me to which is like not necessarily like a damning thing for this movie but it's also like i don't know if i knew where things were and if i knew who these people were a little bit better then like maybe this movie would be memorable in different cooler ways maybe
3: yeah a lot of really good points there first of all we should go back to to what jason said about um the way that that the invisibility in this movie recharacterizes or reframes the way that we're looking at the movie um that's like a really advanced means of using special effects right and like kind of squares the circle for me for this movie's sort of artistic accomplishments and contributions right because like when i think about a new effect or or something i'm thinking about what they want to use that effect to do right and like i really think that this movie does as jason notes like successfully reframe the way that we see the entire movie and like maybe the way that we're thinking about frames within movies in general and that's really cool right because like once you're thinking about like oh like the things that i'm looking at might not be everything that's on that screen like you're thinking about that ostensibly forever right or at least that's the idea is that it it in some way reshapes the possibility space of cinema in general which is like a really great accomplishment um the second thing that that cody you just said is that um if if aaron's like weird sort of like specific genre love is a man shows up in a hotel late at night i'm a real sucker for like community comes together in sort of a bumbling um inefficient way to solve a problem and that sort of like individual versus community sense. And there are some really great scenes of like, like disorganized, Arguments happening in bars and people's homes and stuff as everybody tries to figure out what the hell they're gonna do about this invisible man, which I find um a lot of fun. I really wish that that would have been more the um main point of the movie i guess there there are some scenes that i I would have replaced with scenes of like getting to know the community better, so I definitely heartily agree with you there um and then finally, I found it you know and and like again i'm not tr- I'm not trying to just trash the movie or find it quaint or whatever, but like people were so terrified about the possibility of an invisible man. They couldn't stop talking about it. And like you said, like, like Jenny and also the other townspeople, when they suspect that the invisible man might be with them, they run out of the room. Like there's fucking like sarin gas in that room. Right. Where it's just like, it's the scariest imaginable thing. And like, I don't know. Like I, I understand. I'm not. I'm not trying to like say it's not scary. But like the Invisible Man, the way he kills people is by fucking choking them. At one point, he literally says the words, "I'm strong and I'll choke you." And it's like when it when an Invisible Man is choking you, he is as vulnerable as a, as any other man, right? Like like the choking is not like. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it, this is a movie where people die extremely easily. Like, the Invisible Man seems like he's able to choke someone to death in about three seconds, which I guess is would make him considerably more menacing. But I kept thinking, like, I don't know, like, the minute he gets hands on somebody, he is just a guy, right? Like, you could just, you. it would almost be a feasible strategy, as they find out later on, to, like, let him get hands on somebody so they could just throttle him. I kept waiting for a scene where the townsfolk like, like all beat the crap out of the invisible man together. I thought that would be hilarious. Alas, it doesn't happen, but we get a pretty decent final scene anyway.
2: Yeah. I was also just waiting for that scene where they're like, Oh, wait, the invisible man is just five, seven. Oh, come on. No, this is, this is child's play. This is kidding. Baby town frolics. Let's kick his ass. Uh, But that never happened. Um, yeah, the, uh, I did just want to comment on, I I think what you're referring to the, the final scene or one of the final scenes, um, you're, uh, commenting on the, the community sort of, um, gradually, uh, inefficiently and then maybe efficiently coming together to overcome the danger. Um, great point. And it made me think of the, when they did finally catch the invisible man, how it's, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, but it's that whole trope in movies where it's, uh, where it's like, (laughs) <laughs> like we're sending in too few cops or too few whomevers to combat this thing Just like oh a mass murderer oh send in our our best guy and his like cop in training or whatever but the the ending of this movie spoilers is uh like a hundred like 100 plus police officers surrounding a burning barn to take this guy out and it's like it fulfilled that whole that whole thing of like, finally, they're approaching this smartly. um, But you know, the grass is always greener effect taking It's like, I don't know, this is kind of not what I wanted. Um I'm very glad that the town came together and they were able to summon all of the pigs to uh to take this dude out. But I don't know. <laughs> was, well, watching a, 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 a a square, a quadrangle of police officers slowly walk towards a barn, and then the movie's over. Was sort of, a, sort of a weird deflation.
3: It's a, it's a really weird anticlimax, especially because, um, like Jason and I were talking about during the movie, like. I the minute that barn started burning, I thought for sure we were gonna get the invisible man being on fire and running and being invisible but on fire so that you could oh, see yeah. its fiery outline. Jason pointed out it would be like in uh, Street Fighter 2 when Dalsum hits you with a fireball and you just like fucking go up right up in flames like that. Um that would have been like the shot of the movie. I guess it probably would have been really hard to pull off, and that's that's why they didn't do it. But like it was such a disappointment that instead it's just like you just watch the guy fall over in the snow, right?
2: yeah Um, a a little bit defeating but i don't know the the burning barn uh cool imagery a bunch of people standing out in the snow cool imagery um yeah i don't know uh that we can leave it at that i guess every
1: every brain cell all like six of them among the entire police force of ipping britain whatever um okay i think that we are ready then for our final segment which we'll introduce but i know cody has uh more fun games for us to play in this final segment which we like to call (gasps) <gasps> cody's, cody's noties. noties wow
2: that uh is some of the best syncing you've done uh i think well done gentlemen uh we can also tighten it up and post uh hello um so this episode of of try love today we've had some fun um it also brings us the uh the hopefully rousing conclusion of our recurring october noties segment which has been the spooky ookie guessing game uh, so quick recap of the rules for those of us here and for those uh, listening elsewhere in the world, um, optimistically, we'll have five rounds. Uh, and during each round, we will be issuing clues as a sort of breadcrumb trail leading us toward a movie. And uh, we'll have our lovely co-hosts um, needing to guess the correct movie in order to earn points. Uh, the fewer clues they need, the more points they'll earn. As I read off the clues when I see a hand raised in, in Zencaster, I will pause my reading of the clue I'm on uh, so that uh, a guest can be submitted and I as the game master will adjudicate on the correctness of that guess uh, and at the end we'll tally up uh, the points for today's game uh, as well as the cumulative totals for this 3 episode run that we've been doing of spooky ookiness and uh, up to this point as i pull out the uh, the scoreboard here um after two games uh, that have been played uh, our Aaron uh, Grossman is in the lead with 9 points uh okay I, yep I, I didn't know if you wanted to give a, a woot or not um harry Mackin uh holds second place with four points and uh and jason daphnis rounds us out uh in third place with with one point one lovely point
1: not quite uh, the invisible man
2: hey there you go thematic ties um a few additional noties uh for today's game um all points earned uh, listen up, all points earned will now go for double. Uh, that means that for each oh, correct shit. guess needing one clue, you'll earn six points, correct two clue guesses will earn four points, and correct one clue guesses will earn two points. So there's uh, a lot of nodies left to be played. Um, we'll go with that.
1: Hey, um, Harry, I, uh, just just like the Plain White Tees once said, finally, it's our time now. <laughs> yeah, some, uh, <laughs> what a red uh, like Blue
0: shell-ass... Uh,
2: well, uh, unless you get them, hey. Uh, you
3: get, unless you get, yeah, those yeah, you get just as many opportunities as we do. <laughs> Blue that's shell, really you
1: hot. shouldn't. Be, you shouldn't be worried about this,
0: designer. He knows that. You should sad.
1: not be worried about this at all, Aaron. You have been. I mean, everybody, I mean, everybody
0: has everybody. off days.
2: Um, I, the the theme today, um, you know, may play into that. We'll see. The other thing to keep in mind uh, is that uh, the theme for today's game is uh, movies shorter than ninety minutes. And this was inspired by the fact that today's movie, 1933's The Invisible Man, is so blissfully short at around 71 minutes, 72 minutes, whatever YouTube had it at. Uh, so all movies in today's game will have that trait in common. They are uh, wonderfully short, um, under 90 minutes to be uh, to be specific. Um, with that, my spiel is done. Are y'all ready to play?
3: Ready as I'll ever be, Cody.
2: Ready. <laughs> Excellent. Um. Perfect. I'm wow. I'm so, I'm so anxious. This is exciting. Um, who knows who will come out on top. Uh, we got our first movie here and first clue. Um, I've got my eyes on those hands. Um, so first clue here, as with the Lord of the Rings series, this first movie in a series came out in 2001 and had sequels subsequently released in 2002 and
1: 2003. Um, remember if you have it.
2: Yep. So Jason's hand, uh, is up Jason. Would you like to submit a guess?
1: I would like to submit a guess and I would like to submit The Matrix.
2: The Matrix is Jason's guess. Um good guess but it is incorrect. Uh incorrect guess The Matrix. Um
1: I will wait a beast before. Are we Oh go I'm ahead. I'm sorry, Jason. are we still subtracting points so I now have negative 5 points? Uh we are not subtracting points. Okay. I don't think
2: we've we've ever done that. Yeah, um
3: I su- I suggested that as a
2: Ah uh... I'll, I'll a way to level
3: yeah. sort of things out, but yeah. it was not accepted by the game master, and I respect his choice.
2: Cool. Me too. Um, assuming there are no other guesses uh, to put forth, I will move on to the second clue, now worth uh, four points if uh, a guess is issued correctly. Uh, this excuse
3: movie- me. Sorry, Cody. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, if I guess at six points, I don't get to guess at four, right?
2: Uh, if. Oh. You get one guess per round, right, so if okay. you yep yeah, yep, if you were to su- have submitted a guess, then um then you would be out for this first round movie, if that thanks for sense. clarifying, yep yep, yep, um second clue coming in hot here. this movie co-stars Danny Trejo in his first ever depiction of the character called machete or machete, however you want to pronounce it uh Aaron's hand is up, Aaron, what is your guess? is it just machete? It is not machete, uh, machete, machete. Um, I see Harry's hand is up. Harry, would you like to submit a guess? Is it Spy Kids? It is Spy Kids. Let's Spy go. Kids Released uh-huh. in 2001 with sequels, uh, Island of Lost Toys, whatever it's called, Lost Dreams 2002, Spy Kids 3D game over in 2003. Uh, coming in hot at 88 minutes, uh, that first one. Uh, quick, um,
3: sh- quick shout out to my... Uh, Partner in game design and good friend Drew Tenenbaum, without whom I would not have gotten that answer.
2: <laughs> Shout out! Not, not because the he
3: told it to me, but because his love of Spy Kids has transmuted in part to me. I didn't is that character the same one. He is, that... yeah. What the it's the, fuck, it's the Spy Kids machete cinematic universe.
2: Uh, the like, um... like, I... I, I will just read off the third clue um, because it's funny to me. Um, the third clue, if we were to have gotten there, uh, will have been uh, the tagline, which is real spies, only smaller. Food for thought. Um, so yes, uh, Harry has taken the lead for today's game with, uh, with those four points that he just earned. We'll move along to the second movie here. Uh, second movie, first clue. On this episode of Tri Love, we were joined by our lovely frequented guest, Nick Ransbottom. I'll wait a couple more seconds here before jumping into the the second clue, which I am starting now. Television is reality, and reality is less than television. And Harry's got his hand up. Harry, what is your guess? Uh, that would be Videodrome. Videodrome. Ding, ding, ding-a-ling. Videodrome. Uh, another four points for Harry. The, How's that uh, third- second
0: place feel, Aaron? How's it feel? I have some issues with the balance. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, uh, it's fine.
2: Fine. Uh, the third clue uh if we well we're getting to it right now so the third clue here is a uh, fuck you james woods uh it needs to be said um fuck you, fuck you james woods uh videodrome released in 1983 coming in at 88 minutes uh you'll love to see it right um okay another all four points for you all hail what? the new first placeholder. holder um hey. Harry Moving on to our third movie of the day. Um, First clue here Uh, the director of this film is unfortunately no longer with us. He passed away in 2010 at uh, what I would say was an age far too young. I'll hold that for a second here and I'll start in on our second clue. Fuck you, Darren Aronofsky. Uh, I saw Harry's hand first, uh Harry will have first go at oh, guessing this movie
3: uh perfect blue,
2: perfect blue is the movie
3: ah!
1: <laughs> Scooped uh, again sh- by the Mackin
2: yeah, uh yeah, Jason, you were just a split second behind uh let that show what's, in what, what, what the, the order of the Jedis or whatever what's that, Aaron
0: what am I not missing about the as it the black swan is a uh he, he, he holds off the, perfect blue for like three different movies. Yeah,
2: he ripped off Perfect Blue. He has kind of been uh he's got a strangled on the like the American or like the US uh like the rights to to show it. I don't know. I I'm not a
0: lawyer, but the dude's uh, a total conehead,
3: which is cool, but yeah. uh
0: he is in inferior director. I like some of that dude's movies, but we're saying fuck him, all I... right.
1: Just for that, I don't know. I like Black Swan it was too. just a clue. Honestly, honestly, it was a great clue because it clued Harry and I both in immediately to the no movie.
0: <laughs>
1: was that like an intro? Perfect clue? Uh,
2: no, I just, I just kind of felt like it. I'm glad it had uh, that effect. You know, uh, we're all about balance, uh, maintaining the balance and not destroying
1: it. Uh, I Anakin Skywalker. I already said, but I want to make sure it's heard. That was a perfect clue. <gasps> perfect clue for perfect blue, like which was released.
2: In, in, uh, point for that <laughs> uh, we'll consider it um spiritual naughty points um perfectly released in 1997 uh sits at 81 minutes Woo. um amazing uh the third clue would have been i'm a pop idol and you're just dirty old imposters um which is not yeah. the exact quote but it, it is me talking to you silly gooses or geeses um moving on to the fourth movie uh Harry has had three consecutive four point uh gains um and he's the only one to gain points today we've got a couple movies left though um so we want to see some big swings uh for these for these uh last couple rounds here the first clue for movie number four the director of this film has served as co-writer for movies like ant-man the adventures of Tintin, and the kid who would be king I see Aaron's hand first. Uh, I will let Aaron submit a guess here before going on to the second clue. Aaron, what's your guess? Is it Scott Pilgrim?
0: No, the that's no way. That's that. No.
2: Scott Pilgrim is, is not correct. Um, <laughs> no way uh, it's that movie? short. No way it's that short. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's coming in at, at just about two hours, if if memory serves. Um, I will move on to the, the second clue. Big alien gorilla wolf motherfuckers. I swear.
3: Oh, I <laughs> are,
2: you you are, are you guys fucking serious? Uh okay. I, I was about to read oh, it again, but I, I see it. Harry Harry's hand is up. I uh, thought Harry the would like answer would be me.
3: yeah, I thought the answer would be a director and I very sadly have forgotten the name of that director, but um the movie is Attack the Block, right?
2: The movie is Attack the Block, right? Um, yeah, the, uh, Joe Cornish, I believe, is the director's name. Now I'm blanking yeah. on it, and I wrote the damn thing. Um, but yeah, he also directed The Kid Who Would Be King. Um, he directed Attack the Block as well, uh, which was released in 2011. Comes in at, uh, at 88 minutes. The, the third clue would have hopefully gotten, gotten us there if the previous two clues hadn't. Uh, this was the most recent trial of an episode to feature special guest and trial on film programmer John Moret. Shout outs to John. But, um, but John is not here to witness uh, what is what, this, this slaughter that has been going on. Um, Harry, four straight rounds, four points earned. We've got one movie uh, left. Uh, and again, uh, correct guess in the uh, with only one clue is six points, four points for two clue guess, and two points for a three clue guess. We've got one more here. Uh, movie number five, clue number one. Uh, And I can hopefully enunciate this like I just botched that. Um, And I hate even semi-committing to such a morbid clue, but I do think it's worth highlighting this director who is also regrettably no longer with us. He unfortunately passed away back in April, this past April, and left behind a pretty full filmography. Keeping it a little bit cryptic. I'll wait a beat before going to the second clue here. Ah, bananas. Bananas everywhere. I saw Jason's hand first. Jason, what is your guess? Is this Hausu? It, it is Hausu.
1: 1977 oh. many-
2: 88 minutes. Uh that is 4 points for you, Jason. Oh. He's on the board. Woo! Yes. Uh so- even more so than he was previously. Um So yeah, that, um, so that is, that is the game that, that concludes, uh, the spooky guessing game as I do my mental math, uh, tabulations here. Um, I think it's, it's no contest at, at this point, um, as far as who got first for the, the cumulative, uh, bits, but just for today, um, 16 points go to Harry, um, four points go to, uh, go to, uh. Excuse me, to Jason. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing many things at once. And uh, Aaron came out of today with zero points, um, but he has nine points. Fuck you, Aaron. Um, over the past three, uh, oh, man. Um, you know, we'll we'll settle it in the forums. I'm sure. Uh, nine points for Aaron. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, coming out of this. uh Twenty points uh, for Harry over the three. Uh, episode span and uh, Jason Daphnis coming out of this with five points respectable showing I think all, uh, all things considered uh, I, I
3: didn't get any points for what it's worth <laughs> you got I all the points in our heart Cody for putting this together mm. thank you so much
1: I forwarded I think all it my ended best,
3: just the way everybody always wanted it to I think balance is restored I think the plot lines are resolved I think that the face has, has regained the, the proper place and glory it- the heel has been destroyed <laughs>
1: It also means that the
3: last
1: last time you signed off of this podcast, Harry, was not a lie, because you did, in fact, have your revenge.
3: (laughs) All of my fans knew. They knew. I did this for them. I did this for you, listener at home.
0: I cannot actually complain complain about the point doubling, because even if we didn't double the points, you still would have beaten me, which is very unfortunate. That's a good Uh, point. That's very sad. Yeah, Um, we uh, I I think it was Harry who
2: shouted out our listeners. I would like to do that as well. Um, So thank you, gentlemen, first off, for your participation in this uh, uh, gauntlet of spooky ookiness. And thank you, our fabulous listeners who have made it this far into our episodes uh, without turning the episodes off. We are simply not worthy of you.
1: So uh, so thank you. Hey, that's my line. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and cody
3: can uh can particularly devoted listeners expect uh, perhaps another edition of the spooky ookie guessing game a year from now if uh we're all still alive and society hasn't collapsed.
2: Uh, if we're all still alive, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dog ear this page of, of the noties. Um, maybe other seasonal noties will come through here. Uh, we have some notable seasons uh, coming up, maybe we'll, we'll see how things, uh, how things shake out, but yeah, I think it's fair to not rule this out just yet.
1: Let's, uh, let's hear it for the big ifs that Harry just dropped. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to Trilove. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. Please go to trilon.org to buy tickets to either this showing for the Invisible Man or any of the upcoming showings at the Trilon. Um, they're also doing Uh, I forgot to mention this in previous episodes, but they also drop recommended uh, films, just a basic watch list um, for during quarantine. If you're not going to be able to make it out to the Trilon or if you can't afford a ticket to the Trilon to watch at home, Uh, you can also get involved there by uh, watching along with the Trilon and its volunteers and employees and other other viewers and maybe drop them a few bucks for the recommendation. Um, you can always, always support the trial on through donations at their website. They've got some merch up right now. Um, a really cool sweatshirt, which I am in for one. If you want to look anything like me, uh, you can buy one of those. Uh, but until then, Uh, please keep wearing your mask whenever you go anywhere, especially the Tri line. It's a very small place, but they are uh, congregating in smaller numbers for movies like uh, The Invisible Man and Black Magic, some of the most recent ones that they're that they're showing. Um, That's that should probably be the end of my shtick. Uh, My name is Jason Daphnis. You can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus.
2: I've been Cody Narvison. Um, It's starting to get colder out and we're still dealing with this bullshit. Uh, Please do your part. Please uh, mask up. Please stay distanced and safe. Keep each other safe. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH.
3: I am your hero, your victor, your redeemer, the intercontinental heavyweight champion, the macho man himself, Harry Macken. Oh, yeah. And You can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry.
0: Dig it. Uh, and I'm two-time Cody's Noties champion, although no longer reigning, uh, Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. Here we go gathering nuts in May,
2: nuts in May, nuts in May. Here we go gathering nuts in May, (laughs) on a cold and frosty morning. Whoops!